0: What's up and welcome back to Nostalgia Pod, giving you your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. My name is Pat Sheehan, joined by my trusty co-host Dave Martin Swagger. Dave, how you doing this week, man?
1: Well, doing well. Got news of Donald Glover and Phoebe Waller-Bridge making something together. Very yeah. exciting. That makes my whole week.
0: <laughs> Do you think it's a Mr. and Mrs. Smith remake?
1: Sounds like it kind of is. As like yeah. a TV series. So as part of, I believe, Phoebe's deal at Amazon. Mm-hmm. So
0: pretty exciting. I, I trust both of them um, to make something at least interesting, if not excellent. So, um, you know, yeah, I was thinking out of uh, out of all the like TV creators right now, I mean, they, they're at like the top. They're probably like top five for most interesting and innovative showrunners. So I, I yeah. feel like. The expectations for the show are probably going to be off the charts whenever it drops in two years absolutely absolutely we know Atlanta season four
1: is soon coming soon but yeah really exciting it's nice to see Phoebe waller back doing something because I feel like it's been a little quiet since Fleabag season two wrapped up and she won awards for it for in a year you know like back in the lab um but yeah it's like those two and then Michaela Cole, depending on what her next stop is, I feel like it's going to rise up those ranks
0: as well, for sure. This is a a Star Wars reunion too. Little Lando and yeah, that's uh, good. Forgot what the robot was. Um, oh, what was the name? Um, oh, what was her name? The droid. L L five? Yeah, forgot. it's like L five or something um, like that. that that performance at first I like really grated on me, but I I, I caught some of um, Solo. Recently, I think I just like threw it on Disney Plus when I was like right. doing notes one day and it's definitely grew on me a little bit. I still three L3, L3. There you go. Um, you know, I still think that performance isn't necessarily my favorite Phoebe Waller-Bridge, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, maybe maybe I also said more affection for her in general. So, yeah, Who knows? right. right. Um, but if you're listening to this and you're interested in hearing our take on Mr. and Mrs. Smith, uh, you should hit that subscribe button because we're also going to be talking about a lot of other things. And today we got some music and some movies yes we have some movies but uh you know to varying degrees of quality um we're gonna start though with a k-pop sensation um chung ha who if you know for those of our fans who may not know who she is became popular with the group ioi back in 2017 um You know she was on the survival music show produce 101 where she came in fourth and became part of this group um and they they broke up and she decided to go on her solo tour had one extended one ep before this Mm -hmm. but now uh i want to make sure i say this name right because i'm not a great spanish speaker karen karencia yeah that's right right Yeah. yeah not not bad um Kenan her first album, hour long, like over 20 tracks. Dave, is this album a banger? Yeah,
1: there's some bangers on here, no question. You know, going in, I didn't have a whole lot of uh, exposure to her music. Like I, I think I'd only heard her on her track uh, These Nights on Head in the Clouds 2 with Rich Bryan um, back in 2019. So look, I knew the name but she actually had signed 88 Rising since then, recently, November 2020, clearly with the eye to expand in the West, obviously really big already uh, in Korea. And, you know, in the process, you know, I was watching some of the videos and stuff, and you can tell, like, her Korean label, as well as 88, they're very invested in in this solo career. And this is, you know, like the long-awaited solo full-length project. And I was actually... Uh, surprise to see how much it jumps around with sounds and stuff you know like there's a lot of like traditional k-pop stuff and like the edm production side of things you know uh, like the the lead single bicycle you know it's a pretty conventional k-pop banger but it's, it's great but then there's also like some as the album title might suggest there's some uh latin infused ideas like on uh, uh dement uh, was it a dement uh demente Yep. yeah some regga- reggaeton meets k-pop right there
0: yep yeah the the latin influence on this really surprised me because i think like the first couple of tracks you know you, you kind of get what you expect from a, a k-pop album and i'm not i'm not saying that in any way to diminish the quality because i i think bicycle um i think flying on faith really good i even liked um is it Luce Side Cuts to Lie? Uh, that song also yeah, sure. really stood out to me. But um, then you start getting into some of the like I don't know more funky stuff, more eclectic sounds on this. You mentioned Demente. I thought that was really good. Um, I really liked the song with with Rehab. The I think he he's a Dutch DJ. Um, yeah. Dream of You, which actually reminded me a lot of a Dua Lipa song from her most recent album um around the chorus um uh Dave I'm going to see do you remember break my heart from Dua Lipa? <laughs> yeah yeah dude, I think dude, I do 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 there you go they mimic like the same thing around the, the chorus here which really stood out to me um yeah i i was really impressed with this album and uh you know to say that quality a quality album came out of a K-pop star is like one of the least surprising things we can say because you know after uh, you know black pink um I think dropping a really strong album at the end of last year um obviously BTS just dominating the world right now um Ha seems like the next one in line to just completely be dominating the charts um what did you think about like the pacing of this album or I guess like maybe the like, construction because it did feel like it jumped around a lot and they kind of mm-hmm. used these, um like side side d tracks uh, or side c side a side b yeah yeah what did you think about just like the whole construction of it yeah so you have those four like instrumental
1: tracks breaking it up so that may- leaves you with 16 like full length songs full songs mm-hmm. and i guess that's a way to like demark the genre jumping around but in general i always kind of struggle with like hearing that like slow tie talk about him in a second he also had like two distinct halves on his album but like, i've i have a hard time like noticing it if you don't like yeah like shove it in your my face with like delineating it in the track list but um i think i guess it makes sense for this because she's gonna jump around so like, it's like a or- way to organize i guess mm-hmm.
0: yeah i i found him to be really engaging the the tracks um because you know they it, they weren't just like these like gentle instrumentals that kind of were like oh we're transitioning they were like hard edm songs Um, but i also wasn't sure if i felt any cohesion necessarily to the the tracks And, and maybe there is and i just need to go back and like read the lyrics and read what she was going for but i didn't feel like the construction really made a lot of sense to me but i just think in general um the overall like way that she mesh these different sounds together. You know, there's even some like afro beat on parts of this. Um right. which is really, really impressive. Any other moments, any other songs that you wanted to shout out? Yeah, you mentioned uh Flying on Faith, which I really
1: liked in addition to bicycle. I also liked uh, Bother Me as well. Um hmm.
0: but yeah because it jumps around a lot, I actually think this warrants multiple listens because there's a lot to listen for for sure. Um, you know, to that, I wanted to shout out real quick um Stay Tonight, which is just like a traditional K pop EDM banger, um, and Chill, which had this like really cool, like layered production around the chorus where they had this choir and they kind of like layered the choir around with like the synths kind of like booming around it it just sounded really really texturized which I just really appreciated mm-hmm. so um those two tracks stood out we'll definitely have at least one song from her on our nostalgia best of 2021 check the show notes for that um let's move on though to the person you just mentioned before slow tie and uh dropping is this is third album second album he also had a bunch of EPs Tyra so, his, his first, first name one, yeah his first album um self-titled was very well titled nothing great about britain
1: 2019
0: ah you're right i'm sorry i was getting that confused on um on the spotify tracks my bad people run that back um nothing great about britain um got quite a bit of notice back when it dropped in 2019 a lot of acclaim for it i think the the scope of what he was uh rapping about on this um gained a lot of uh notoriety for just having i think a lot to say and and some really interesting um observations but also packaging it in a way that i think people were really impressed by kind of took people by surprise what was your take on nothing great about britain
1: yeah we didn't end up reviewing it which i
0: regretted just because we guys got to it late like i feel like
1: the s- slow ties name i just started seeing and then next thing you know there's a lot of love for this album and i think he had timed it To originally drop when Brexit was supposed to happen, I think delays made it so that didn't actually line up. But yeah, as as the title would suggest, you can tell he's not someone afraid to you know call out Boris Johnson and like speak his mind about that kind of thing. And to hear that, I think frankness in terms of like political lyrics from someone so young who also is so energetic and like so like crass at the same time, um, definitely felt fresh. Like you listen to him and like, I get, he like, I think sonically he's on the grime sort of things when it comes to UK rap, but because he has like that, like higher register. And I don't know if this is an, he's from Northampton. So like, I don't know if like he has an accent. I don't know enough about the English linguistics, but like mm-hmm. he, he, he sounds a little different than your average, you know, UK driller or other grime artists. Right. So like he, there's something about him that just kind of like catches your ear. And then again, on top of that, like he's actually was, having ambition with his lyrics and uh he just kind of was edgy that was his thing right but he's mm-hmm. backing it up Went with the lyrics and um so yeah i like that like and then he hit, did some songs with, like denzel curry and mm-hmm. we talked about him last year on the song uh, they mean a track pressure palms like he, yep. he, he makes a memorable feature when he pops up but um if you read any reviews about Tyron, you'll notice any press about slow Tyron right now is acknowledging what happened to him about a year ago at the NME awards, where he just kind of made a fool of himself and got like kicked out of the award performance after winning an award at the night and like, uh, an
0: definitely award is. for hero of the year. Yeah. He, was de- he definitely
1: took it on the face. You could tell, but yeah. he seems to have come out of that, uh, with a better attitude. He said he doesn't drink anymore, stuff like that. So that's good to hear. But, um, and I think the the person he was harassing, the host, at the award seems to have, uh, you know, let it go.
0: So that's nice. Yeah, it was a comedian who was hosting it and she actually pretty quickly seemed to um, be understanding of it, um, at least publicly. Um, and uh, it seems like the way he's been scrutinized and viewed since then is certainly a contributor to the conceptualization of this album. I think, because not only is this, I think, a bit more introspective um, than the previous or the first album, Mm -hmm. but I think you can kind of see in the structure, like you talked about, there seems to be the first half, which is, you know, disc one, a lot more like bombastic. Mm -hmm. All the titles are capitalized. And the second one seems a bit more, I don't know, introspective, toned down, everything's lowercase and james blake shows up yeah he's kind of he's kind of going for those like two sides to or multiple sides to a person type thing did did that work for you yeah yeah
1: i guess so um he also is someone i think just because he has a pretty quick flow more often than not that i I like to listen to his tracks more than once i just feel like when i when i first listened to a lot of his songs i just kind of listen to the sound of it because he um again there's just kind of like an edge to him so like to hear him actually kind of like strip it down and and be more inward focused again nice contrast to the first album where he was much more outward focused about his you know his home um i think it's cool to see and and just in general like kind of like the trajectory of this coming out of the scandal at the enemy awards you know making most of this in the pandemic but not all of it Uh, seeing where this came up uh, kind of surprised me you know because like you know listen to the, the singles like um uh, maza with Azeb rocky and uh i think the james Blake song also came out I was, like, I was like i didn't know what to make of the album from those singles you know mm-hmm. but um it's it, it, pretty interesting again kind of uncommon for like other uk rap stars
0: yeah for sure I, I think his sound is very unique um and and really incorporates a lot of different um I don't know. I think rising sounds like there's definitely some moments that sound very grime, but then there's some that kind of remind me of uh, some of the tracks we heard on um, King is Dead from Kendrick Lamar, you know, a couple of years back. There's, mm. um you know, Kenny Beats shows up for yeah, yeah. a couple of tracks. Uh, Kenny- Darko is all over this and I, and not knowing much about Darko, it sounds like they're pretty good collaborators. and And mm-hmm. I think... I think the sound really works for him. Like even when it's toned back, it all sounds really, really good. The production on this is really Mm -hmm. top notch. Mm -hmm. Um, Like a song like I Tried is so, so different than anything in the first seven tracks. And I felt like that was maybe the standout one for me. That sounded like uh, something more in the line of like the R&B, like triumphant sound that you kind of hear, I don't know, coming out of Chicago, I guess, more so than like the grime sound. What what tracks it out to you, I guess, in the first half and then in the second half? Yeah. I think yeah. it's so different.
1: Yeah, I think there's actually been a lot of talk about Cancelled, which was, I think, like the last single to come out featuring Skepta, the second track. And and that was interesting because like lyrically it's like really like over the top you know if you listen to how slow guy's been talking he's not he doesn't have like any animosity to it, what happened to him. he's really like, owning it and has grown from it but like a song like that's so, really like, over the top you'd think he's all like rah 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 cancel culture sucks blah 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 you know and like the lyrics are like kind of wrote like i feel like what skept is saying about like you can't cancel me you know it's like i don't, I don't know but it's still an amazing flow from Skepta. Yeah. All his features are fucking fire these days. <laughs> so I still like the track. I know. Um, and it's a nice fo- call, uh, follow up to the song Glorious. on nothing great about Britain, another great Skepta feature.
0: Yeah, and that, that track had me doing the Larry David uh, like eh, eh, gif. Like on yeah. the one uh, one hand, I was like, I don't know if I really jive with these lyrics, but it just all wor- sounds really good flowing together. And like, it's kind of hard to hate this, <laughs> the song. Justin um, Bree but i i think in that first half that that run of vex to what to dead is probably my favorite yeah. three like it just flows great. together so well and slow thigh just sounds fucking awesome on all, all three of those you you liked those two yeah i think what's the weird one to me because like that beat I, I i was trying to figure out how to
1: explain it it's like <laughs> like like chimes almost yeah. like like the way it's like looping through it, it definitely like a cool production touch no question mm. but yeah he um he really brings it on those those are i think like the types of slow time moments that reward multiple listens because you try you probably pick up on additional lines and you know lyrics when you do that
0: yeah for sure and what about the second uh half of the album what songs stood out to you there i mentioned i tried but any others yeah yeah uh
1: at the end the feel away with james blank and Mount Mount kimby is pretty interesting to me just because mm-hmm as you might suggest with those features it's definitely slowing it really deep down yeah. for slow tie you know and he, he usually is at 100 so to hear it like that i was like oh this is different but it still works so uh, i appreciate it um terms was kind of interesting to me just because i was like that denzel curry feature is like in the background i think like yeah he's not he doesn't have a verse so that's kind right. of disappointing to me and i think dominic flake's all right on the hook but that one kind of, like, I listened to that, like, back-to-back also. I missed Denzel? Was I, like, just thinking about something else? Like, did I,
0: was it me? No, it wasn't. <laughs> this is barely on the song. Yeah, you, no, I really liked NHS. Um, I thought that track was uh, what probably one of my favorites, probably my second favorite on the whole thing. Um, but also, the way that the whole thing ends on ADHD, which, you know, the first half of ADHD I thought was okay, but then he comes in so aggressive and strong at the very end. It, almost like It was like a shot of adrenaline right as the album was wrapping up. And I think there's actually a really smart way to end it because it makes you want to go back and go back into that intensity. Um, This is definitely an an album that I think you could just kind of put on repeat and run all the way through a couple of times and it would flow together really well from start to finish to start to finish. So um, I'm really impressed with this. I think, uh, you know, out of all the rappers coming out of England right now or uh, the UK right now, like slow, Slow Tie seems to be. Probably the one that I'm most interested in moving forward. Who would you who would you pick for that? Skepta? Well I love Skepta so much. Um yeah mm-hmm. I think it's
1: like thinking about people who are more on the cutting edge, I think of someone like j Huss, hmm. you know, just because of um that uh fuck, what was it called? Uh, not not Afrofusion. Um the uh you know the the way he would kind of mend yeah. know, lots of sounds bringing that into just more traditional rap. You know I like I like I liked a lot of that talked about big conspiracy last year um and then yeah i think probably the most consistent probably stormzy but i also been bumping a lot of heady one these days so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of options which is great
0: yeah it's a cool movement over there right now and you know not to tie these all in together but the uk also seems to have probably the most exciting rock sound right now too so right um a lot of a lot of good music coming out of that part of the world at the moment. Mm-hmm. So uh, check out this album and check out the Spotify playlist again. Dave, I'm going to pass you the the floor or give you the floor, I guess, to talk about Dead Pigs. Yeah, so this is a
1: kind of unexpected uh, drop where uh, Dead Pigs is the directorial debut from Kathy Ann. Kathy Yan, most people would know as the director of Birds of Prey the uh, DCEU movie from early 2020, the uh, best one, of course, because it uh, actually was quite better than Wonder Woman 1984, despite what we might have expected a year beforehand. Yep. Um, But yeah, this was Kathy Ann's first movie, and it was really notable because she got hired by Warner Brothers to make Birds of Prey after making just one movie, Dead Pigs, which played at Sundance way back in 2018. The thing is, no one got the see Dead Picks. This had not gotten U.S. distribution or any distribution outside of China since Sundance 2018. It played in China in January 2019, but either way, no one has had a chance to see this for three years unless she lived in China where it got well, did get a release, the movie set in China. Um, and that is, I think, just a really fascinating thing. And uh, Kathy Anson in a lot of press about this, about like her career. And I think this is actually an important movie for people to watch because this is, much more instructive of the movies she will be making moving forward as opposed to birds of prey, which we know is of the greater, you know, Hollywood machine, but like the fact that she would be kind of this most stereotypical thing, right. Gobbled up after a hit indie movie Mm -hmm. made a superhero movie. You love that indie movie so much yet you wouldn't actually put it out for like no one, like no one seemed to want to put it out. Like it's just really weird. Um, and I think just kind of a symptom of where Hollywood is at, where it's like, ah, I don't know if we can uh, we, we, we can we can release this movie like it's it, it, it kind of stinks. But either way, it's yeah. now out on a movie Mubi, M-U-B-I, which is the like art house streaming service, kind of smaller end. You can access uh, through Amazon if you wish. Um, they also have uh, Martin Eden, which was a notable um, indie flick from 2020 as well on there. Um, so, yeah, you can access that there now on dead uh, on movie dead pigs finally available to the rest of the world three years later like i remember when birds of prey came out i was like yeah dead pigs no one can see it yet would love to mm-hmm. see it, it hurts kind of good and <laughs> you know a year later here we are um and, you know it's it feels weird to say like no spoilers about a movie from 2018 but like really no one has seen it still so i'm not going to spoil anything but I, I i did like it and i think it's cool because it kind of like weaves all these storylines together mm-hmm. connecting characters some relate to each other some encounter each other um you know these plots all kind of <clears throat> unravel and connect and it's all centered around um a fictional i guess retelling of the dead pigs incident in mm-hmm. the Shanghai area in 2013 where like thousands of pigs dead pigs were in the river and like people mm-hmm. were like what the hell's going on you know in the water is the water battle, that kind of stuff. Um, but the movie, you know, having that as your backdrop in like modern day China and having all these storylines weave together as we go, you know, deep in the city, more rural areas, you kind of get all, all the things you might want from like a kind of like a weaving movie like this. Um, and I think it's really good. Um, I think the most notable asian actor would be vivian Wu. she's in a lot of stuff uh on the u.s side zazie beats is in this in a small role hell yeah um oh also um mason uh lee is in this notable as the son of angley mm. but uh yeah i i would you know tough to really say much more but I, I would definitely recommend i think it looks awesome it doesn't feel like like a first feature film you know it's like really well done and like i said i think it's gonna be instructive of Kathy Ann's talent moving forward so that's exciting Um, and impressed for this Kathy Ann did say that she's actually directing an episode of Succession season three so that's also cool
0: that that's fantastic you know I I think it's funny hearing you describe this movie and then thinking about Birds of Prey and even something like Succession I think that it makes a lot of sense that a movie like this would get her opportunities in in a movie and a show like that because all three of those all three of these things seem to have multiple characters that have these stories that need to kind of be intertwined and pulled together like birds of prey, kind of, you know, Harley Quinn being at the forefront of that, but like pulling in the, yeah, the rest sure. of the gang in some way. And then succession obviously has usually like three or four storylines as well. So um, pretty cool to to hear that. I can't wait to watch it. I just Didn't get to it this week, but I have my my movie subscription or my my free trial already <laughs> yeah. going, so uh, the clock is running on me for sure. <laughs> um, and I'm excited to talk about it. Maybe we'll we'll circle back at some point or or check in maybe midtime this year. Yeah,
1: I was thinking for list purposes. I guess it's a 2021 movie.
0: No one got okay. to see it
1: till now, right? So
0: yeah, I guess so. I <laughs> everything is so screwed up in COVID. It, it was funny because I was like 20 2018. I was only. Uh, Two years ago. Nope, going on three years. It's kind of crazy. People still really haven't seen this widely. Um, Why don't we talk about a movie that was seen widely, though, Dave, or somewhat widely, Music, which is uh, Mm -hmm. the directorial debut or feature film directorial debut from Sia, the pop singer, who, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think I would say I really like her music. Um, I don't listen to her albums necessarily, but the hits are Really, really good. Yeah, and I I like her stylistic choices with her music videos. You know the Shia LaBeouf, Maddie Ziegler, uh, I don't know, thread throughout a lot of her music videos. I always found pretty interesting.
1: Mm. Um, and but, uh, unfortunate bookend to that Shia piece of late. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. and yeah, yeah, no, she's movie. she's she's definitely interesting because she kind of like pops up, goes away. Then like yeah. every like other single seems to be like really big, you know?
0: Right. And, and you know, I, I think when I think of her, it's I think the first place I kind of go to, she's in that Gaga vein where she has like a very specific style, like look, you know, yeah. she's her always covered. She has these outlandish costumes and dresses. And yeah, I think definitely there's an aesthetic to her not on the level of Gaga for sure. But um, I was interested to, to see music. Because I was like, see ya. Like most of her stuff. And I gotta be honest, the part about music that probably is the best is the music videos. And then everything outside of that is pretty not great. Um, Yeah. So just to kind of I guess like give those who haven't watched or those who did, just a quick breakdown. It's about a um, a siblings uh, music and kazoo who's just referred to as zoo music played by maddie ziegler and kazoo zoo played by kate hudson in this movie um zoo it comes in to to take care of uh music who is an autistic teenager uh, after the grandmother who was caretaking for them died and it's kind of about their relationship but there's a lot of problems with this movie (laughs) to say the least um dave what was just your overall like thought after the movie finished <laughs> oh it's abominable man oh
1: it's bad it's bad um and that's the thing it's like there's some really offensive and problematic and yeah. ill-advised choices that we can totally. get to in a second and then there's also just the film itself which i don't think is that good anyway yeah like it's one thing if like there were these really offensive things but the movie was so good and then everyone has to like in their in their own head be like huh, do i care enough separate the art and the artist no it's not that's nothing that's not even in the conversation the movie is bad yeah and when the movie is bad you're just stuck on all these bad choices mm-hmm. and it just completely colors the movie and then you can't get by it
0: yeah uh, i laughed before because i was trying to be very careful with how i'm saying it but yeah it's it's not good at all and i think you know let's let's start with the probably the ill-advised perform, performance choices um, casting neurotypical actress, dancer, Maddie Ziegler to play music is really tough. Um, and the choices she makes in portraying an autistic teenager, uh, really border around like minstrel, um, yeah. you know, throughout it, just, just over stigmatizing the and yeah, over the uh, top stereotype, typical it's, it's bad. Real bad yeah, Character, any- Hold on whatever you would think to like make fun of someone with autism is basically what she kind of does in this. I don't think that was her intention obviously, but it really comes across as offensive to that whole community. And then, you know, to go beyond that, um, there's multiple times in this movie when music is restrained Mm -hmm. for, um, you know, being upset, uh, once by Leslie Odom jr and one time by Kate Hudson in this movie. And, uh, there's, there's no warnings for anything like that for, and I know many people within the autistic community, um, there, it was like re-traumatizing to see and experience that. Also like not what people do. Not best practice. No. it's, It's like literally a last resort if people are in danger. So it's just a really poor choice. And Sia has in interviews, um, talked about that, you know, she, didn't even think about this or it wasn't her intention, uh, which is even I think more startling that she decided to go through with a movie and make the choice to have music be kind of the plot driver. I mean she's kind of the MacGuffin of the movie for mm-hmm. yeah. Kate Hudson Zoo, which is also I think pretty offensive um, and it, you know as a choice to like just make this yeah. character with a disability just like a plot well, driver. It's,
1: it's also a classic trope. It's like you're different, right.
0: but you're special exactly whatever it is you know it's we've seen that before but to not even consider these sorts of things um how how the portrayal of a character in that way would be like how traumatizing those sorts of events on screen could be um just is a total miss
1: well and that's the thing it's like hey it's not that sia can't necessarily make a movie about an autistic character but it's that she clearly didn't do any homework mm-hmm. and consult anyone and yeah. give it her best effort so that's that's what you get um, and it, to make matters worse apparently an autistic person was cast to play music and then was dropped due due to some difficulties apparently how yeah. do they <laughs> yeah. cast someone who's not autistic like that makes it even worse cuz you knew you really shouldn't cast a normal functioning
0: person it just comes off as like ableist you know Totally. And, uh, you know, Sia also talks about the way that she kind of went about creating this movie was oh, I, I kind of saw it in my head. and I'm just going to go out and like kind of know what I want it to look like, know how I want the scene to be. And I'm going to just like kind of tell people to do it that way. She didn't want to uh, learn Final Draft, which is this app that screenwriters use. And it's just yes. like, it's, you yeah. know, maybe there's a reason people go through with these things so that, uh, you know, you kind of get this out on page, maybe someone's going to read this and be like, Oh, maybe you shouldn't have this portrayed. Maybe there's a different way to go about this. And it just feels like a lot of like corner cutting and just trying to like get an idea out without actually fully fleshing it. Mm -hmm. Like what, what do the music videos truly add to this movie? I, I said that they were probably the best looking and sounding parts of the movie, but even that, like, um, for, a person who is autistic to view some of the music videos in this like even the first one there's like strobes there's really loud music choices that can be completely overstimulating for someone in that community to watch it i just don't know how much any of these choices really add up to anything other than a really bad movie
1: yeah yeah, it's notable too. Like when the movie's starting, you see a pop up for Warner Music Group, which is its label. And it's like, huh? Warner Music Group sells you a movie. Right. Like usually, when there's soundtracks to movies, you don't see the ad for the label who put out mm-hmm. the soundtrack. Kind of strange. Um, but <laughs> again, to make matters worse, the Golden Globes, which we always say are a joke, Hollywood Foreign Press has no credibility whatsoever. No one even knows who they are they nominated music for best motion picture musical or comedy and Kate Hudson for best actress for motion picture comedy at the upcoming golden globes. It's like just baffling decision. That is no other way to put it. Clearly just focus on how we want Sia and Kate Hudson at our award show. You know, we always know they like are quote star fuckers, you know, that's what they're into famous people because it's clearly not the art. There's, there's nothing redeemable about this. Like, even like the best comedy or musical delineation, which is not like separate all the dramas, the, the higher minded stuff. There were better choices than music. For sure. Many like it, it, it's a
0: joke. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really just disappointing all around. And I, I was just like thinking as you were talking, I was like, these are my least favorite types of reviews to do, because at least when a movie is bad, as long as it's almost just not offensive. It's like, we can make fun of it. We can have fun. Like, you can't even really take any joy away from this movie other than maybe you like the music from it. And that's just mm-hmm. like after, after everything else it's attached to, it's like just really leaves a gross feeling in your mouth. So uh, not a big fan of this movie. I would say don't buy it or support it, no. um, but I'm hoping Sia learns from this and maybe we'll see something better in the future. That's hope, or maybe we'll get a good album out of it. I don't know. We can hope. Anyways, let's move on to um, let's do Falling next. The Vigo Mortensen debut as a director. Um, pretty interesting that we get to see a directorial debut and a Vigo Mortensen debut. And uh, I see them very differently in terms of movies. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about think? you. Um, yeah, but Falling uh, looks at Vigo Mortensen as a uh, uh, son of a older man who is dealing with autism or, jeez, oh, I'm so stuck on music. <laughs> Alzheimer's. With, yeah, Alzheimer's, dementia. dementia um, and aging. kind of looking at their relationship um, as he tries to support his aging father. Um, and it's a difficult relationship. Uh, so Viggo Mortensen plays John. His dad Willis is played by Lance Henriksen. Um, and also played earlier or in flashback scenes by sphere or G- Gudnason, in um and he looks just like vigo mortensen there were like parts where i had to like i was yeah. actually wondering if they just did the de-aging on him i did a few crazy. times too um but I, I found this movie to be pretty good like I, if i had to like give it a like a rating at one to ten i'd probably put it, like a six or seven i think there's a lot of moments that are really really strong in this movie and then just some choices i was left kind of confused by where where do you stand with falling uh so i thought
1: yeah severe uh, gudnensen was the guy who played borg in borg oh, versus mac and oh
0: wow okay. I knew we had
1: seen him before um yeah falling is a really tough hang in my opinion and i i think it's well intentioned but i not that i'd say it's sloppy but i just it feels awfully one note, and I don't really understand like the narrative investment the audience is supposed to have in this
0: mm-hmm.
1: like I like Vigo Mortensen Criticisms of green book aside he's a good actor. he should be directing movies at this point. Why not? That's great, yeah, but this would this one just made me raise an eyebrow a few times, like he said that this is like. Loosely inspired by him caring for his parents when they were older, yet he's not a gay man. So, the fact that he wanted to be a gay person, mm-hmm. you know, married gay man with adoptive daughter in this film, like, I think that that was clearly done to highlight the kind of obviousness of like the bigot that is his dad in the film. Yeah, but like, I think if you have a tighter screenplay, you don't need to do that, make that mm-hmm. choice. Yeah. Um, so that that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but either way, put that, take that to the side. I just think uh, Willis is this kind of irredeemable the whole time. Like he's a piece of shit in the flashbacks. He's a piece of shit as an old man who's losing his marbles. Why am I supposed to care about this relationship? I'm surprised they even have a relationship still. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's a bad dad. He's a bad husband. Case closed. I don't get it.
0: Yeah, I, I think I was a little bit more, um, I don't know, I, I wouldn't say sympathetic to Willis, but I think I understood more how he kind of got to the point he did. I mean, it seems like there's probably some mental health issues. You know, he seems quite paranoid in a lot of the movie. I mean, not yeah. only when he's older, but even the younger uh, times that you see him, um, I think it's interesting because the the movie gets to a point um where you kind of are just like i just have to listen to this guy like berate anyone that's different from him i mean call it making fun of gay people making fun of uh anyone that's you know not american making fun of hippies people that aren't mm-hmm. you know yeah. uh salt of the earth type people it's just he hates everything and right. um the the Moments that you're you're kind of, I think, waiting for come at the end in the form of his father comforting him when he didn't feel like he could take a shot at a buck in a clearing, you know, or his father kind of saying like, ah, you know, that was actually my fault. I should have fixed that bath a while ago and <laughs> I, I made some more coffee for you. And like those moments just don't feel like enough in some way, oh, but at no the same way. time, that, that almost, I almost appreciate that it felt very like ultra realistic to dealing with someone like this person i think there's a lot of people like this not necessarily in this situation and i agree i think the choice for him to be a a gay man was just to like create more inflammatory tension and maybe didn't need to be the choice i don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with the choice like it's there are are gay men who have this sort of relationship with their father i'm sure Mm -hmm. um but i i do feel like um those like release moments aren't necessarily as satisfying as I'd hoped they'd be, but they were still really nice. I'd say, I I don't know. I guess it was also weird because I felt like the movie kind of jumps around at points. Like you see, you get that scene where Willis uh, disappears from the the diner or wherever they're eating and he goes to the water and he's having this flashback and then he's Mm -hmm. in the water. And then all of a sudden he's just sitting across from Laura Linney and they're having a conversation he's ripping into her children and right uh, i was just like wait what like i wanted to kind yeah. of understand what the fallout was I mean, there
1: to me i would have liked more or sorry i would have liked more vigo and less flashbacks mm. i feel like the flashbacks kind of like were predictable like as he's growing up he kind of get the beats and again because willis is pretty one note, nothing is really that illuminating but vigo for the most part just kind of like Taking it from his dad, not giving in uh, and taking the bait until the end when he flashes back out. That's really it. He doesn't actually have a lot to chew on. You know, like he's that one scene where they both kind of go at each other, but it's kind of over fast and that's it. And, you know, I think if we had more time in the present, you would have more scenes where you would see the other side and understand this love beyond like oh i made some coffee sorry for being a complete dipshit again last night you know like mm-hmm. uh, i think it's, it's just kind of awkwardly paced and it, uh, The the main goals of the film have a hard time landing because of that pacing yeah
0: yeah you know I, I i think the there were some parts i really thought were well done you mentioned like the scene where he gets to kind of like yell at the dad and that i i think just like the 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 brewing of it all like the fact that it really is like how much can this adult character take before he just kind of like lashes back and he finally did and you're kind of like jeez thank god but like um I, I do kind of wish that we had gotten maybe one more uh yeah i don't know satisfying scene it just kind of felt like you're kind of left with this like man fuck that guy type feeling <laughs> yeah. It. and yeah like you said dude, there's no redeeming qualities to willis at all so laura linney gets like a really weak quick scene but I'm-
1: and again she's doing the same thing as vigo just like not taking the bait just completely entertaining his terrible behavior for no reason at least the kids are like
0: um fuck this
1: you know yeah. <laughs> like
0: I guess, I, like you said, it would have been nice to see a scene, I guess, where uh, you kind of see Vigo as like a younger adult kind of being like, man, I hate this guy, but like I feel like I need to like be there for him in some sense, like kind
1: mm-hmm.
0: of uh, bridging that gap because you really see like the flashbacks end when he's a teenager. Um, also, I, I thought it was really interesting and I guess very telling of the, the <laughs> Willis character that kind of hearkening back to that, like what's what do you think or like what do you see before you die type thing he just sees himself with his first wife uh, having sex nothing to do with his kids which like completely uh, I mean completely on par for that character but just kind of like man that's that's so gut-wrenching that he just really didn't seem to care about them like that right yeah I
1: mean if if there was one thing that I like was entertained by the most it would just be that Willis had a really like crass sense of humor he was talking about taking shits and stuff all the time <laughs> it was pretty funny
0: yeah well what do you say pinch a loaf he's like i'm gonna go pinch a <laughs> loaf like, it's like, yeah, nice <laughs> like sure um
1: he left his glasses and he like brings it closer he's like, where'd you leave him um where'd you leave him the shitter
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess that that was like some of the levity but yeah, yeah. Also, I, I really appreciate Laura Linney's daughter just being like, "Yeah, I'm not afraid of this guy." Like, yeah, <laughs> it's like nice, right. good. There's no reason to be. That seems pretty right. harmless. Right, I guess right. he does like actually try to beat up Vigo Mortensen at one point, but I don't know. Following, I, I would I would recommend it because I I think there's there's a lot of like crumbs here that Viggo is going to be probably a much better director in mm-hmm. the future. But still, also, pretty good. Shout movie. out David Cronenberg cameo as the doctor randomly yeah. doing
1: yeah. the. Colonoscopy, <laughs> sure. Uh,
0: anyways, why don't we jump to to all the boys, uh, forever and ever. All the boys I love before. before, always and forever. Always. Three of three. I think it's actually just to all the boys, always and forever. Actually. Is that right? Yeah. They they took out uh oh. I love before. Now she's all the boys. It's a short title. Yeah. Um, and they're back, folks. The third installment. Um. Lana Condor, Noah Centineo, and uh, all those other quirky characters. All those other kids. Yeah. And, <laughs> and we're back talking about them for the third installment. Um, Michael Fim- Fimognari. Mm-hmm. I wish I was I wish I better the pronouncing one. names. Um, but yes, um, back to um, direct again. When we talked about P.S. I Love You, I Still Love You, the second installment. I think we both were kind of like, this is very much just like a teen romance movie and there's not a lot here. Did that change for you with uh, Always and Forever? I think
1: Always and Forever is definitely better than the second one. Yeah. No question. The second one was like spinning wheels of the first movie. But just way less satisfying and just felt annoying and you there's choices that a lot of times from Laura Jean that it's like don't make sense and you it's hard to get behind you just like no like I don't want to do this like it, 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 the best part about the original movie the first movie mm-hmm. is that casting right like Lana Condor no Centineo are both perfect for these roles yep Lana Condor is great as a romantic comedy lead. No mm-hmm. Centineo great as like that Imbo attractive you know, well-intentioned dude, maybe not the smartest guy in the world. It, they're both. <laughs> he, gets they're both to, great. he gets into Stanford, dude. We'll get there. <laughs> the third one, though, at least like gets slightly more intelligent because again, they're yeah. their senior year. They're thinking about colleges. They're talking about some real life decisions, right? It's like, do you do you use your high school relationship to dictate your future plans and where you go to college when you're going away to college? You know, it's an important thing. A lot of people have made that mistake people continue to make that mistake. Um, The movie kind of ends with them trying to seek it out, but they don't make the mistake. They at least both do what they want to do. Mm -hmm. So I think the message is good. And like, yeah, there's a lot of like cheesy stuff again. A lot of like really stereotypical New York, go go to New York City tourist stuff. It's all good. Um, But like again, it's it's a teen comedy. like can't be like too critical. It's like for teens, not for me, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it's better than the second one at least. But I think the first one's definitely the tightest um. Yeah. Or like teen rom-coms go like that's much much better.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, this uh, this is the last of the the three movies that are going to be based off of Jenny Han's 2017 novel Always been Forever, Lara Jean. But um, I I think I like this one the most because there's just like a lot happening. You know. Um. Yeah. Sure. I feel like that almost works against the movie. Like <laughs> I I texted you this. Um. By the time we we kind of. They, they break up. Sorry, spoiler if you're watching this. They break up at one point in the movie. It happened a bunch of times already in the movies. Yeah, exactly. And I just was like, okay, there's probably like gotta be 15 minutes left where like, they'll you know, they'll miss each other. They'll come back together. They'll make their decisions on college and that's it. But uh, no, we have a, we still have Peter having to sit down with his father. We have Lara Jean and her family getting together for her father's wedding. There's like just still so much to happen at that point, and we had already gotten like I don't know, like so much plot. Like they went to New York. They had all these things happen. They you know, prom proposal, her getting rejected, her him getting. It was just like oh god, how much more can there be? But yeah. all the all the little bits were a lot of fun. Like I loved seeing them running around New York. I thought that was fun. Made me just really wish New York was New York right now. <laughs> you know, like yeah, COVID. Oh god. Um, I, I thought there were some. They cover really some cool
1: ground buildings. too, you know,
0: Midtown oh. lower Manhattan. You know, it's not just Times Square or anything. What was this trip like? Just like take kids to New York and let them run around? I don't. Yeah, so <laughs> don't uh,
1: they're they're from Portland, Maine. I think it is. So it's a bus yeah. trip,
0: far bus trip. But um, it's a long trip. Yeah,
1: I guess I mean schools do that, right? But like, I didn't know yes. if schools did that for like sleepovers. That was, I, I, that was I only intense. knew if, like from like Greater New York areas. Like day trips, kind of stuff, but it,
0: I don't know. I thought it was like I, I, I never did this, so I, I thought it would they Same. would at least have like I'm gonna go to the Met, and then afterwards you'll have like three hours to go do whatever you want. But they were just like, here you're in New York City, we oh, really yeah. gonna go get drunk. I was like, it hey, didn't make me. much sense. No, loved the chaperones though. Just go get drunk and don't do shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I thought this was pretty good. Um, for for these movies, uh, any moments, scenes things you really liked
1: i appreciated the uh continued reverence for k-pop in this notably in the mm-hmm. second one uh, blackpink's kill this love drops at i think a really wise cha- uh, point in the movie and this time you got um with girls generation i think when they're in korea and being the movie and then blackpink again with pretty
0: savage so i appreciate that that touch that's nice keeping that going um my favorite music choice was when she gets rejected from Stanford and they do like the slow down cover of if you want to be my lover. And I just was like, what is happening? Here? It It's just so ridiculous. But yeah, pretty um, funny.
1: I just had a few, few notes um,
0: <laughs> about, about lines.
1: Like when they're talking about both going to Stanford being in the Bay and Noah's like uh, P- Peter Grubinski is like, Oh yeah, we can, you know, you can go to all these these famous bakeries in San Francisco. We we'll go to Fisherman's Wharf all the time. I was like, bro, you don't go to Fisherman's Wharf if you're a local in the Bay. That is mm-hmm. the biggest tourist trap in San Francisco. That is a <laughs> uneducated thought. It just made me laugh. You know, it's like people don't go to Fisherman's Wharf if they live in San Francisco. Right. Um, also, you said it. Uh, Noah Centineo got into Stanford, but not Laura Jean. What? Because yeah. Stanford. <laughs> Yes, they have athletics scholarships, but they also have a high standard for their academics, academics for yes. their athletes. So it's very unrealistic because he will tell you, Peter will tell you he's not the smartest guy. Um, also, in general, like two kids wanting to go to Stanford together is just very unrealistic. If you look at the <laughs> acceptance rates of prestigious schools like Stanford. So I was like, huh, this is a, a bit of a stretch. Maybe most teens don't know that. I don't know. But it's like hard to find believable. <laughs>
0: totally and i i also one love the apartments in new york city that all the nyu students stay in like just some of the like nicest uh dorms yeah. i guess or like gotta say to like a party that
1: that party they go to is like has to be a school sponsored one because that's no way that's just some random like right? normal people party like, yeah and exactly. some like loft where it's not packed at all like what the fuck was that
0: I know, so random. And then, like that band, I was like, "Who? What's happening?" But, um, yeah. Also, I, I didn't understand why we needed to give Peter this plot with his dad. Like, what is that? Oh been- god, no. I don't remember that in any of the past movies. I, I think that's the biggest. He-
1: flaw of this third film is that there's too many of those side plots yeah. like anything with their friends i just didn't remember where those threads left off in the pet from the first two movies so i didn't
0: really follow any of that at all you know
1: but yeah like peter's dad like was that a thing i didn't i don't, I don't know remember. if that was a
0: thing yeah i guess people who probably are a lot more into this trilogy than we are will be like yeah of course like i think i remember i think i remember knowing that his dad wasn't in the picture but i didn't never remembered him being like super upset about it but then you know that kind of comes back around. Also, seeing the uh, the guy who played his dad, with he was in Bly Manor and I'm like, ah, Netflix has their actors. You know that they just like oh, yeah. keep going to the well for. I love it. Um, but I guess that scene was okay. You know, like I, it was hard to like take Noah Centineo as like a really serious actor. I just kind of see him as like the affable like lover boy kind of. You know, um, yeah. and I, I didn't feel like he really brought it in that scene necessarily, but maybe. I don't know. Maybe he's saving that for He Man. I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's the thing too. Looking forward, like I think everyone involved probably is fine to not make more of these films. Um I don't know, you wanna do a kitty spinoff with Anakatha or whatever, fine. I actually <laughs> wouldn't mind that, I guess. But <laughs> sure, she's kinda like funny. But <laughs> but like yeah, like like Lana Condor, she's been casting a bunch of uh, other like rom-com stuff, um Boobitch mm-hmm. and Moonshot. And then Noah is in black adam cast as he-man as you said and was just recently cast in one of the myriad uh, GameStop stock wall street bets yeah. movies so it's kind of interesting that it seems like noah's getting more work than lana but i feel like lana's definitely the more winning presence yes. better actor <laughs> through these yeah. two movies uh How not, old is not concerned
0: even... about her career no um... it's gotta be a little older right He's tw- oh, he's only twenty four and she's twenty three. Crazy.
1: Also, yeah. Born I, a day again, after. I first knew who Lana Condor was because she played Jubilee in uh, some of the Fox X Men films, and she didn't have any lines because her bad biggest scene was cut. Damn, <laughs> That's Tom. how I knew who she was. <laughs> and look at her now. I mean, yeah, honestly, probably... that that was a tough break. Yeah.
0: And then turned around for. Ah uh, man, I don't know. It. This is a good ending to the trilogy i'd say you know i think it it was satisfying to see them go their separate directions but want to try to make the relationship work and yeah it's just just a nice ride i guess like you know low stakes just kind of fun to check in every once in a while so here we are here we are any last thoughts that's quite enough (laughs) yeah uh I want to watch some good movies, Dave. What should we watch next week or talk about this? Well, we're going to
1: get good movies, brother. On Friday, we get Nomadland on Hulu. Very (laughs) exciting, at last. Also, uh, a hype Netflix movie with Rosamund Pike. I care a lot. It's supposed to be quite good as well. And then on VOD this week, we get Supernova, the Con Firth, Stanley Tucci uh, romance film. Nice. A trio of movies that are supposed to be much better than the ones we discussed this week
0: awesome well we'll be talking about some good movies next week hit that subscribe on youtube.com slash pod and uh go to twitter and follow us and anywhere else they should go dave soundcloud.com yeah check the show notes spotify best
1: 2021 playlist is there follow oh, that yeah. shit we'll see you next week